Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Hey there, how you doing? Welcome to the show. God, it's my kid's birthday. I... <laughs> Spoken like an engaged mother. No, I knew it. I swear. I just forgot it for the second. So, guys, listen, we got to um, maybe going to leave a little bit early because I have a uh, meeting of the uh, secret society to attend. Those of you who have not been invited, I'm really sorry. Oh, God. So, the president, the representative, the very face of this shithole country, the United States of America, is now in Davos, embarrassing us, I'm sure, one way or the other. I don't even have to... I just can't even imagine. I'm cringing. I'm cringing internally for the next 48 hours. How long is he there? About 48 hours? Oh, God. Anyway, so... I don't want to talk about him right now. Let's talk about something else. Like the beauty pageant in Saudi Arabia. Did you hear about that? First of all, you wouldn't think there'd be beauty pageants in Saudi Arabia because, well, you can't see much. You know what I mean? And of course, when we say beauty pageant, we just assume female, right? But no, this is a beauty pageant that had 12 contestants that were tossed out, that were disqualified uh, amongst, uh, I think, hundreds. This is a big beauty contest. What it was, was, let me get the exact name, the King Abdulaziz Camel Festival. And this is, I kid you not, a camel beauty contest. Twelve of the contestants were tossed out because they'd been found to have used Botox. I mean, they didn't use Botox. Somebody Botoxed them because a camel does not think, geez, I could use a little Botox here. No, uh, they were disqualified because their owners had injected uh, their lips <laughs> with Botox. Because when you're assessing beauty in a camel, uh, plump lips are uh, definitely a plus. And uh, there's millions of dollars, by the way, to be had for winning the most beautiful camel in Saudi Arabia. Uh, but the, the, uh, when they found out that Botox was being used on camels, all hell broke loose. And here is a, um, a quote that tickled me a bit, so I'm going to share it with you. Uh, there is no justification to use Botox on camels. Such an unnecessary act is cruel and demeaning we understand that camels are a national treasure in Saudi Arabia, but animals should not be abused for entertainment. And there should be more respect for the animal's well-being. Well, yeah, but then I thought, well, women do Botox themselves. And so if you were to read that again, but think in terms of women, there is no justification <laughs> to use Botox on women. Such an unnecessary act is demeaning. I laughed when I read it because I really do think, I, I even have friends, I know, they don't say so to me, but I know, uh, that do use Botox. They look unnaturally fresh uh, at the moment. But if they keep it up, they're going to start looking like, uh, I don't know, Nancy Pelosi and Jane Fonda. You know? That frozen death mask stare. God! 
Anyway, unbelievable. I just thought there was something funny about it being considered demeaning and disrespectful of the animal's nature to use Botox when, geez, American women, you know, they're spending thousands of dollars a year to disrespect their own nature. I'm a hardliner on this stuff. I mean, anybody looking at me could tell, well, she really could use some Botox. <laughs> I would be more youthful looking with Botox. Can't imagine. I don't get it. I never have, and I never will. I mean, women don't want to be objectified, but on the other hand, they objectify themselves all the time. Who did that? Me? I didn't. Okay. Stop it. All right, uh, you know, California is so far out ahead of the rest of us. Uh, it really is sort of its own little nation. There are parts of California that I, you know, I, I really love, and then there are parts that make my skin crawl. Um, but it is probably the most progressive, I guess, state. If you want to look at what a progressive government does, uh, go to California, and then you'll see. And uh, we will note that in general, its economy was booming long before the federal government's was booming. It's doing just fine. But there's the nanny state part of California that can get a little, you know, I'm all for regulation when it makes sense. But it turns out, and I haven't noticed this, I'm going to be in California at the end of the month of February, and I'm going to watch for this because apparently under a state law uh, cancer warnings have got to be affixed to any anything any item any food any anything that has within it some manner of uh, chemical or something that has been adjudged to be uh, carcinogenic. And uh, right now, uh, a state judge there is uh, mulling over and determining whether coffee <laughs> should be labeled as carcinogenic. That there should be, Starbucks is freaking out, that there be Literally, a this could be injurious to your health. Certain additives or certain thises have been shown to cause cancer. Um, so it's 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 quite a, a fight going on. Some some places that uh, sell coffee have already caved, um, such as Seven Eleven. Uh, they have agreed to pay $900,000 and put up warnings in their stores about coffee. Okay? Uh, according to... I, I, this strikes me as bizarre, frankly. Because I'm willing to bet that almost any food, probably, could end up needing a warning uh, coffee is uh, right now being uh, focused on because there is a flavorless chemical produced during the roasting process that's called acrylamide. And uh, unfortunately, acrylamide is uh, one of the more than 900 chemicals on California's list of uh, chemicals known to cause uh, cancer or birth defects. Now, I'm sure that's the case in, you know, certain quantities, <laughs> right? But just because there's a little of it in your coffee does not mean that the coffee would be a cancer risk, I would think. The law in California says that businesses must warn about the presence of any of the chemicals, and I said there's more than 900, any of the chemicals in any of the products that they are purveying. Uh, 
and, and here's the fact. Within a cooking process, that same chemical uh, is produced in almost all fried fruits, foods, uh, potato chips, a lot of baked foods too. So in California, I guess, I can't imagine. What do the grocery stores look like? I mean, do they just say 90% of uh, the... the um, 90% of the products in this store uh, contain chemicals that can give you cancer. <laughs> sort of put you off your feet, I would think. Anyway, among the items that contain a warning for chemicals in California are, listen to this, listen to this, wood furniture, office chairs. God, I'm, I'm, sitting, at, I'm sitting on one. <clears throat> and sitting here, right now, I could be getting cancer from this table and this chair. Ceramic plates. Get this. Snow globes. French fries. <laughs> Potato chips. Balsamic vinegar. Oh, dear. Whole leaf aloe vera. Nothing sounds more natural and, like, perfectly healthful than whole leaf aloe vera. But California considers it potentially death. <laughs> Leprechaun hats. Don't ask me. It's a list. Uh, black licorice. New cars. Well, get a used car. It'll be better. Maybe that's what the new car smell is. The new car smell is, uh, is cancer. Uh, cocoa nibs, smoked oysters, smoked baby clams. Oh, dear. This, isn't, this would annoy the hell out of me. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. They should make a list of what isn't, I suppose, just uh, totally organic, and maybe that's not even true, uh, produce. I can't imagine what wouldn't be on the list. Jeez. We know we're surrounded by all kinds of additives, chemicals used, in, in the, and, and I'm sure that that does um, have an impact on the number of uh, cancers in in the country, in the world. I have little doubt of that. But geez, if if everything in your house and most of the stuff in your refrigerator, I I don't want to know. That's too absurd. It's too much. Too much information. All right, all right. I'm trying to start with stuff that doesn't totally freak me out. Um, I haven't talked at all about this son of a bitch uh, doctor, gymnast, who got sentenced yesterday to a million years in jail. Um, actually, 175, but that's on top of a of a another. Uh, for a huge sentence, like 40 years for child pornography or something. Um, this is a case, again, where um, it, it, if you followed it at all, it, it shows how vulnerable children are. It shows how much children, in this case, young girls, even when they go to an adult for help are not believed because the man they're accusing is charming and popular and considered the best at his profession. And so the fact that this guy could Harm to the point of suicide in one case. Harm to the point of who knows how much 
the psyches of these over 150 young girls that he's I mean they're saying there's probably not a bigger child molester known well uh, let's just say caught right but I think in this uh, time of me too and finally um, people who didn't know mostly men uh, being forced to acknowledge the reality of living in this world as a girl, living in this world as a woman, and how it, it differs qualitatively, uh, markedly, from the life of so many men. And I, 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 I do hope, I don't know, I, I, you know I'm a pessimist about this having uh, lasting effect, but maybe, because it has, it seems like everywhere we turn, there it is again, now that it's out there. And it's much harder to ignore. And there are now so many women who feel empowered that when the usual happens, where women are discounted, women are, you know, not believed, women are told to shut up, women are objectified, women now uh, are much more empowered, empowered to speak out, to call it. Um... In regard to the uh, like the Academy Award nominations that came out, this is something interesting that somebody noticed, and it's in the New York Times today. Um, as we know, Hollywood is <laughs> is as male dominated uh, an industry as pretty much any. There are worse, but. Hollywood, if you think of it, has just such power because it tells us stories. It it supposedly somewhat represents um, our lives through entertainment. And if you look at what Hollywood does to women, it is such a huge part of the problem. So the numbers are thus. Uh, researchers at the University of Southern California found they worked with the top grossing films of 2016. Okay, So not this year's entries into Academy Award season, but the year before. The 100 top grossing films in 2016, over two-thirds of all the roles, speaking roles, where he even had one line, were male. Over two-thirds. So there's, I mean, first of all, that shows that there's, that male actors have a lot more opportunity just by virtue of the kinds of entertainment and movies that Hollywood, run by males, chooses to make. These are movies by males, chosen by males, for males, and women are shuttled to the side unbelievably. So only 31% of all speaking characters in the 100, that's a hunk of movies, top grossing films of 2016 were for women. In those same films, only 34 of the 100 had women in any leading role. And of those, the number of women who were over the age of 45 were 8. So there were 8 women allowed to be actually not, you know, 
20, over the age of 45. The year before, it had been even worse. It had been five. So, for a, an actress, first of all, there are fewer roles. There are fewer speaking roles. There are fewer lead roles. Um, and if you don't get them before you turn 45, good luck, lady. Right? That's what the numbers suggest. Which is why the nominees that were announced Monday, I think, or Tuesday, are mind-blowing. Because the nominees, eight of the ten Oscar-nominated actresses this year are over the age of 40. It is a bunch of older women. In fact, the average age of the supporting actress nominees, the average age is 55. Whoa! Whoa! And the youngest in the supporting actress category is 47. The youngest. And that's Mary J. Blige. Look at who's nominated. Allison Janney. Uh, Frances McDormand. Octavia Spencer. These women are in their 40s, 50s, 60s, and even 70s. So that is like so, so different than anything we've ever seen before. Isn't that something? And at the uh, Screen Actors Guild, the SAG Awards, uh, the other day, Nicole Kidman uh, won another award. She's now 50 years old. And uh, she said then, 20 years ago, we were pretty washed up by this stage in our lives. That's not the case now. Thank God. 20 years ago, she said, but as I just said, two years ago. <laughs> Incredible. Women have a different reality. And I don't know about you, but I'm getting sick of it. I thought I sent myself this piece about, have you seen the outrage about a charity event in uh, London. Um, it's a charity that's been going for a long time. Um, I guess it, it's it's men only, and they're very you know, high-powered men from all areas, from politics, business, entertainment, whatever. And it's an event that has been well known. I'm blanking on the name now. And the only women, women are not allowed as guests, but there are women there. Thank you. Um, there are women there. I believe they're called hostesses or something. And what happened was a female reporter from uh, the Financial Times, which is as solid, stolid uh, a journalistic uh, rag as ever there was. So this is something out of their wheelhouse a bit. One of their female reporters uh, tried out <laughs> for the jobs that were given to uh, the women. And the women were selected, first of all, the criteria was that they had to be tall, thin, and pretty. They also had to wear, I wanted to find this exact thing, this is unbelievable. They had to wear tight black dresses, black high-heeled sexy shoes, 
uh, black underwear and a corset-like wide black belt to cinch their their middles. This must be one of the guys who runs this charity's uh, sexual fantasy of some sort. And so these women, many of them, 19, 20, 21, people who, you know, saw an opportunity to make a little bit of money, they try out for this. They're tall, thin, and pretty, and they're willing to wear these dresses. And they are assigned to tables with the men. And the men, some of Pitts, uh, some, Pittsburgh, some of Britain's finest, well, I suppose now you can imagine what these women were subjected to in the course of their employment for the evening. It is pretty amazing. Pretty damn amazing. Groped? Oh, yeah. Propositioned? You bet. Ha- okay, why are you looking like something amazing has happened? No? Okay, just scare me. Okay. Um, Anyway, it's called the President's Club. Oh, my God. So, this is it. And this happens after we supposedly have been woke, right? Eh? The good news is, is that in this new day, The minute this report came out, all hell broke loose. The charity has been disbanded. People, the men who attended, are like doing some serious, uh, you know, trying desperately to cover themselves. The charities on the receiving end have returned the money, and no one seems to want the money, which is silly because... The money's money, and a lot of charities could use it. Anyway, unbelievable. It's just, if you read an account of it, it is disgusting and unsurprising. We have a call. Hello. Uh, good morning, Lynn. How are you? I'm okay. Uh, this is Paul. Um, yeah, I just wanted to make a couple comments on... Uh, the anniversary of Doug Hurst's uh, passing. Uncle Dougie was a great man, and he's missed, and uh, everyone still talks to him about him, even to this day. Well, as you are, <laughs> as as you um, are evidence of, yeah, he Doug obviously had such um, a loving audience. I mean, people really, really loved right. him. I can tell. I, I yeah, yeah. and he would be so. Uh, I mean, it would give him. I can't believe. Yeah, yeah. I can't believe it's seven years already. No, time goes so quick. I know. You know, there were yeah. so many efforts uh, by people who cared about him to pull him into like something like what I'm doing right now, and right, right. and he just. Wouldn't you know he was he was a stubborn character, right? And right, you're right. I mean, he was very late to even get a computer, right? I mean, I remember when he got right. the computer, <laughs> but actually, he was he understood why he didn't want one because he knew he had right. an addictive personality and he was so afraid he would literally never. Yeah. But so he just yeah. couldn't make the tr- he couldn't, yeah, yeah, it was. Um how he detested the Steelers and local news, but people still loved him and enjoyed him, and <laughs> he was a very special man. He was honest about how about right. his, what he felt, and believe me, he offended me a lot. I would often get so right. mad at him, I wanted right. to just punch his lights out. But right. he was so generous in so many ways right. to me. He was such a... Yeah. I, I I just can't tell you. Um, a good I know, I know. soul. Here. And uh, I went to see him a couple times when he was at the uh, Monrovia Mall with the infamous Saturday show, and he was a very nice yes. person there, and a lot of people came to see him. And I just wondered uh, whatever happened to some of his 
you know, famous callers like Rich with the top ten list and, you know, uh, Stuff's the Fan and all of those great people. You know, you I, I, I don't no know. Idea. I don't yeah. either. Rich, right, with, right. Rich with the top right. ten list, I thought he was my caller. I just remember him calling. Oh, okay. I know, had a ri- okay, okay. I maybe he called both, but okay. I, maybe I had a different Rich. <laughs> and right. I remember yeah. that guy. He also refused to get a computer. My right. Guy. And so he would send me these long letters. And you know, it's funny how eventually I got annoyed with the letters because a letter you have to, if you can't. You know, it takes time to sit down and write back, which we're not used to doing yeah, anymore. Right. Doug was right. such and, a uh, character. Oh, man. I know. And he even made everyone, tried to make everyone happy the day after the Steelers lost to the Cowboys. I think it was in Super Bowl thirty, and everyone was all upset. But, you know, he made everyone smile and happy, and everything was going to be okay. And, you know, he was just the right man to do that kind of thing. How many people do you think really believed that he, who was his, uh, his twin, uh, Julio Iglesias? What am I, what am I remembering? Um, yeah, I think that's. No, no, no. Yeah. Was that it? That he was. I think it was. The I'm, twin I'm of, or no, it was some guy in Las Vegas. What, what was, I'm, why, this is how bad my memory is. He spun. Yeah, I have no I, Don Ho? He spun stories that were so outlandish. Right. And people swallowed him hook, line, and sinker because he was such an extraordinary storyteller. Right. And Uncle Dougie knew a lot about a lot. And, you know, that was... He was amazing. He schooled on everything. Yeah, you could tell, you know... You know, even stuff that he wasn't even interested in, he could tell you a million things about it. You know, it was very well schooled in every subject. Well, he read, he read voraciously, and he had a right. steel trap memory. So he just, right. he, everything he read, he retained that information. Um, and then Jane, who, yeah, and Jane, I think it was the, uh, no, not Jane, Gertrude, uh, I don't know if you ever heard the pumpkin pie recipe. Oh, God, please. Where, uh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I mean, there's a classic. Uh, for those of you who don't know, a, right. a poor old woman. Was her name Gertrude? I don't know. Gertrude, yes. It's on, uh, it's on YouTube. Yeah. Gertrude okay, well, Wilson. that is worth looking for. She called Doug's show and got. she was, lo- was trying to call another show, right? Another uh, show that was giving out. I think out- she was trying to call... Uh, I think she was trying to call TV. Whatever. Okay. Maybe WTAE TV and their morning show, and they'd had a pumpkin pie recipe or something, and she wanted the recipe. And she comes through on Doug's show, and oh, my God. I, I, you can't. How do you find that on YouTube? You go to, you look for Doug Hearth and... Uh, Doug Hurst, Gertrude Wilson recipe, uh, either or will, uh, you, well, I believe I, it's, uh, either or will get you through, yeah. And it's like about five minutes long. I felt sorry for Gertrude, I felt sorry for Gertrude. See, I'm, I can't do that kind of thing, because I always feel sorry. <laughs> I'm not a prankster, right. I'm not a, and, and, right. and, and, and he was. I sometimes would just say, oh, Doug, right. let the poor, what, you know, you see, but it, it. And then, uh. And then the other caller, Jane, she used to call. I don't know if uh, whatever happened to her, she called and said, I want to die so I can go home or something of that nature. Right. That was, you know, another, yeah. Jane was and always was like, wanting to die. Happened. Well, she probably went yeah. home <laughs> by now. Right, right. So, it's, yeah, right. And um, one other question, I, um, I know um, you mentioned before you went to the Ice Bowl, the Packer game back in yeah. 67. Mm-hmm. And how how could you you stayed the whole game correct? Were oh yeah, oh yeah. Game? I don't think anybody left. Yeah. Right. How how was it? I mean, was it oh. was it? Um, you know, I saw somebody. Like day or no? Was it hard oh. to get through? No. Here here was the problem. It was much colder, okay. much colder. 
Uh, it, there, you know, right. there was no wind chill in that. When we woke up that morning, I think it was 17 below zero. Right. Okay, so with wind chill, it was probably like 40 below or something. It was right. not fit for any living creature. And here's the other right. thing. It was 19, what, 67? Nobody. Yeah, uh, New Year's Eve of '67, I believe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Nobody had the kind of clothes we have now. There were no puffy parkas. Right. There were no. We all had like no. you know a wool. <laughs> we had a wool coat. <laughs> and right. I know I put layers on. I put a few, you know, socks and 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 and, and stuff. We were fro. I was frozen before I got to my seat from the car. Oh, I believe it. Absolutely frozen, and I really. I mean, I. I think you got to figure that place was full of people who were in such physical pain, yeah. <laughs> but nobody, right, nobody left. And I just saw because it was right. the fiftieth anniversary this year. Somebody right. in some national story was saying that he had been there, and when they won at the end, he said he and his father jumped up, you know, to cheer, and they were right. jumping up and down, and he said it was the oddest sensation because I had no feeling at all in my feet wow. and lower legs. So it was like jumping up and down on my knees. I, I, and I understood wow. immediately what he meant because I, I could, we were hanging on to each other as we were walking down the steps to uh, get yeah. out because none of us had any feel. Our legs were frozen solid. I, to this I day, well, I, to this day, have, uh, I, I I can't take much cold on my hands and feet, and um, right. I am quite sure it's from damage that happened that day. And I bet I'm not a. I right. bet I'm not alone. Um, right. It was something. Yeah, I mean, so it, you kept warm by. Did you drink any hot chocolate that day, or coffee, or no? no nothing. nothing. So were, no, nothing. Yeah. We just sat there. Well, on sat there and on, on metal bleachers. Oh right. dear! You know, and the players. There was no warming on the players' sides either. There was, right. there were no. Uh, they had nothing to help them either, and yeah. at least they got to move. Um, yeah, we were sitting, right. and also the the you know when you breathe your breath, you know obviously making right. vapor. There were times it was almost hard to see the field because yeah, of the cloud of. Right, people's breathing. It was yeah. It was bizarre. I'm glad. I guess I get to say I was there, but I don't think I've ever yeah. experienced that level of um, physical right. discomfort in my life. Right. So that was yeah, it. There yeah. Was a, yeah. There was a game in '82. Uh, I think the AFC Championship in Cincinnati, and the wind chill I think was 69 below between. Dan, uh, the Chargers and Bengals in '82, I think. Really? That was a cold game too. Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah, that would be a cold game. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, that's on YouTube. So. It, I and my other memory is the, the Cowboys had who he had been the fastest man in the world from the Olympics. His name was I something Hayes. He, uh, oh God. I, uh, I'm not. That was before. That was. Well, one he okay. He was one of their receivers, and he was okay. really famous because he was the fastest man in the world. I mean, must have what the, the okay. person who gets that is what the person who does the hundred hundred meter thing. Yeah, whoever does a yeah, hundred yeah. yard dash or something. Yeah. yeah, and he was running his <laughs> he was running his patterns with his <laughs> hands down his pants. He he wasn't even yeah. pumping his he I can't imagine how right some of those players must have just didn't even give a damn whether they won or it. lost just wanted to get the hell out of there. God. Yeah, and uh, in that uh, game in '82, Dan Fouts played in that game, and he would throw a ball straight, and it would do that you know perfect spiral. Then about ten yards into it, 
it was so cold, it turned into like a dead duck. Like it went to a good spiral, and then it looks like a dead duck in the ball. You know, it just when it, you know the air. I guess the cold air made the ball. Well, yeah, maybe it froze. Right, you know. it, it 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 froze yeah. in some way, and you can't imagine right. that level of I cold. Know. You'd be, yeah, you'd be amazed how it uh, the cold air does stuff to you know things in the air and everything like that. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I just just wanted to call and uh, give my two comments, and uh, it was uh, nice talking to you, and uh, I always enjoyed the show. Thank you so much. Great, thank you right. for thank you, and Doug and, thanks and, you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's Bob yeah, and, uh, Hayes. Okay, yeah. thank you, thank you so much. Appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, Bob Hayes. All yeah. right, so have a good day you and uh, smile and keep Doug Kurth and uh, everyone's thoughts today. Okay, thank you, thank you. As I was saying, All right, yes, have I, a good day. You too. I never remember okay. anniversaries of any kind, so yes, thank you. Yes, it was Bob Hayes. Yes, it was Bob Hayes. Thank you all, guys. And uh, Chuck writes, Lynn, you know, Doug eventually did get a computer. I know. I know he did. Um, I remember Doug talking to Clarence about accidentally happening across some porn on his computer. Oh, yeah. Accidentally on his computer, resulting in many pop-up boxes on his screen. Clarence instructed Doug to just turn off the computer and reboot. But you can imagine the hilarity of this exchange between Doug and Clarence. I was on the floor laughing. Yeah. And thank you. Somebody, Milt, thank, sent me the Gertrude uh, bit. You know, I could play, we could play that. Can I send it to you? You tell me if this is... Let's do it, guys. There's so much crap going on. Let's. This is for Doug. Um, this is for Doug. I'm sending it to... Why am I blanking on your... Okay. Steve. Okay. Here it comes. Here it goes. Okay. Um, and while we're getting that set up, um, I... I did you see, I'll tell you something scary that's in the news today. The Chinese have cloned two monkeys. I'm looking at them. They're cute. They're monkeys. They look exactly like monkeys, only they got made. And let me remind you, monkeys, humans, pretty much the same. And so, this is a line that's been right. Have you gotten it yet? Oh, you've got it. Okay, this is the infamous... Uh, Doug Hearth uh, and Gertrude uh, recipe uh, call. Gertrude Wilson. Yeah? Hi, Mrs. Wilson. How are you? Fine. What can we do for you? Well, I sent in for a pumpkin pie recipe that was on a Saturday a week ago. Yeah. And I haven't received it. You haven't received the pumpkin pie recipe? That's right. I'm sorry. Are you sure you sent it to us? Ardmore Boulevard, yes. And you did not receive the pumpkin pie recipe. Did you put, are you sure you, you must have left off your return no, address? No, no, no. Everything was on because I mailed it. You, 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 you put down your yes. return address and you, yes. and you spelled your name properly? Yes. How do you spell your name? Gertrude, G-E-R-T-R-U-D-E. Wait a minute, wait, not so fast, Gertrude. I'm going to write this down. That's G E R. Wait a minute, not so fast. G E. Go ahead. R I T L T. G E R L. No, no. G E R T. G E O T. T like in Thomas. Okay, go ahead. R I U U D L D L D. B like in boy. No. A, B, C, D. Okay, so that's G-E-R-T-R-U-A-V-C-D. Yes. Okay. And what's your last name? Wilson. Okay, is that W? I. I. L. S. L. Wilson. W-I-L. W-I-L. Okay, and how do you spell the rest of that? Son. S-O-N. S. U O M. 
No, no. S-O-N. Is that S as in Sam? Yes. And what's the rest of it? Spell the rest of it phonetically for me. O is an olive. O is an olive. And N is in Nancy. N as in Nancy. Okay, Gertrude Wilson. Yes. All right, now hold on a second, Gertrude. Let me look in my let me look at my pile here and see if I have. I don't understand how we uh, didn't send that. Hold on a minute. You mailed this when a week ago? A week ago on a Sunday. On Sunday. Okay. Oh, I now see here. I have I have it. Where do you live, Gertrude? Sixty-five. Oh, okay, I got it. Sixty-five, and the zip code is one five six five eight. Yeah. Now, see, that's interesting. I have the address here. You know what happened? If this is not your fault, but the computer made a mistake. Mm -hmm. The computer made a mistake. So I have the address here, and I have the zip code. Yeah. The only thing I don't have is your name. Uh huh. So let me make sure we have that name right. Okay. All right. That's uh, Gerald Wilson. No, Gertrude. Gertrude. Yes. How do you spell that? G. G. E. E. R. R. T. T. R. R. U. U. D. 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 E. G. E. R. T. R. U. E. D. Yes, all right. Is that close enough? Yes. Okay. And and Wilson is spelled again, please. W. W. I. I. L. L. S. S. Oh, you. Oh. 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 Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, yeah. Oh. And. and. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll get that. Gertrude, we'll get that recipe right out to you. We uh, we apologize. Again, there was a little bit of a slip up here with the computer because uh -huh. I see the uh, I see the address here and the and the zip code and, and all the rest of it. I have just listened <laughs> from 3.30 to 4. <laughs> this is a Tuesday afternoon to the most vulgar, trite, stupid, unbearable, illiterate, vainglorious person brag about his unconscionable lack of control. Okay, that, that was another um, Doug caller. I hate to think where that went. Um, okay, see, I couldn't do that to some poor old lady. I couldn't. He was... I wonder if Gertrude knows that she's in, you know, Pittsburgh radio lore. I wonder. Uh, do I still have a caller? Okay, this is from Chris, and then I'm going to... Lynn, I'm not going to gush on and on about the anniversary of Doug's death. Just wanted to say that today is the actual day that Doug died. We all heard the news. On January 26th, 2011, like everyone else, I can't believe he's gone seven years. I miss his show so much. Rich with the top ten list caller was known as Rich from the North Hills. He called me too. I, al okay. I always enjoyed when Doug had his buddies come into the studio and just shoot the breeze about music or anything really. I agree with you when you say that his being fired is what killed him. But I also think Doug lost his zeal for life when Lawrence died. That is true. But he'd already lost his show. Uh, and then Lawrence died. Lawrence was his producer and was my producer for a while, too. I met you at Doug's memorial. I was the one that just came out of wrist surgery. Yeah, I came right from the hospital. I remember you. I told you this story then. I met Doug at an oldies dance. It happened to be on November 22nd, the anniversary of Kennedy's death. So Doug and I started talking, and he asked me to dance. All he talked about while we were dancing was the debate of a lone shooter. By the way, Cyril's name came up a lot in that conversation. God rest his soul. I hope he's in heaven and interviewing all of his idols, Groucho, Frank Sinatra, and any of the cast from Blazing Saddles. Hello, I must be going. I cannot stay. I'm on my way. I must be going. That great Marx Brothers thing that he would do. And and I was told that I should have ended the show. What was it? The Lord willing. Okay, we'll see you tomorrow. The Lord willing and the creeks don't rise. Doug had his little things. Oh, Lord.
Okay. I don't know what else to... Boy, this show go in a direction I wasn't expecting. And we're out of time? No. Oh, no. I'm looking at the wrong thing. Okay. Well, I don't know how to follow that. See, the, but you know what? It shows... That was talk radio. That was a talk radio show. And that's why we all loved talk radio then. It wasn't always. It was often like that. I remember doing an hour that we laughed through and argued through that it was was about how to make a potato salad. I mean, you would do things like that because you could. Because there was not an expectation that you would be constantly doing this news crap. And it was before we were all at each other's throats. It was such a nice time. We didn't know it. You know how you don't know that was the best of times when you're in it. You don't know till it disappears. And you look back and it's unrecoverable. And it's not that we didn't do heavy stuff. But there was not this sort of straight jacket that we were all put into. When I started doing talk, I wasn't there to be a liberal. <laughs> I was there to be a personality, as was Doug. And we both were. And we brought different interests to our shows but people listen not because they agreed with us politically they listened because they liked whatever you know conversation we had going that was a better time guys a much better time And there was a front page story um, in the Post-Gazette today, which, by the way, the Post-Gazette uh, looks a little different to somebody who, you know, act actively looks at who wrote a story. I know I do. There are reporters who, if I see they wrote it, I'm much more inclined to jump in. And there are reporters who I even avoid. I'll read it if I'm interested in the story. Um, but the reporters at the Post-Gazette <coughs> and even the columnists refused to allow their names to be put in the paper. It's called the byline. There are no bylines in the Post-Gazette today, which is, I think, rather unusual. It was done not in protest of the revolting, despicable. I'm going to take some of the adjectives that that furious woman <laughs> was leveling at Doug. That wasn't Gertrude. It was somebody who came in after. Um, I. It was not because of that editorial. It was because they have been in contract negotiations for just about ever, forever, they have, for the last 10 years or so, every contract lost money. They've been and lost staff. So the folks there are beleaguered. They are doing more work with less pay. And that's the way it's been. And now they're being asked to give up some of their health coverage. And that's the issue. So this was an effort to protest. Anyway, this is a uh, article that is not signed. I don't know who wrote it. But it is a story of how a uh, public relations firm, an international public relations firm, uh, that regularly uh, uh, 
what's the word? What's the word? What's the word? Interviews folks all over the world to to judge, polls them to judge their uh, faith in their government, in other institutions in their countries, and they say this in their latest poll of all over the world. Americans are at an all-time low of trust in our government, in our media, in our businesses, in really every aspect. And the PR firm in its report says that the United States faces, quote, an unprecedented crisis of trust. And this, of course, is what's when I am angry, when when I go berserk and furious and start calling Republicans names and stuff, it is on this issue. This is the issue. Because to for their own ends, they have sowed sown the distrust. They have made it part of their it's what they stand for. And it came in, it started with Reagan, with the, with the not to trust the government, that the government was the enemy. And after they got done belittling government, they moved on to media, right? Same thing. And that is what has destroyed uh, us. That is what has made us uh, such partisans at each other's throats and when there is no trust in the major institutions of a country I got news for you there's not a country there's a country in name only but a country exists because its people share an identity and values and a sense of belonging in the same place and the Republicans have destroyed that with their xenophobia, with their racism, with their embrace of racism now, their anti-immigrant status, their, their, their everything. And so I saw this and it just, it breaks my heart. And when I do, as I'm saying, when I get furious, this is why. Because trust takes a long time to build and quite clearly doesn't take anywhere near as much time to destroy. And I don't know that once trust is destroyed, you can recover it. Anyone will tell you in a marriage, in a friendship, you know, trust is the most important thing. And once somebody betrays that trust or it's sometimes impossible to get it back so when I'm so pessimistic when I sound so hopeless because I feel pretty hopeless it is that it's not any specific thing it is this concerted and successful effort on the part of Republicans to destroy our faith in government, in media, in public education, in all of the things that have always held us together. And they continue to do it, of course. They're now undermining the FBI, our intelligence agencies, what possibly could they be thinking? It's unforgivable. It's unforgivable. And they destroyed talk radio in the process. There are a lot of victims, a lot of victims. 
It's why I ended yesterday's show by saying, you know, Roger Ailes. Roger Ailes, I consider him one of the most evil men in American history. <clears throat> so, that's it. I think we're out of time. Uh, the caller, Paul, was it? Paul, you, you absconded with my show today. That's okay. That's okay. This one's for Doug. For the late, great Doug Hurth. Who would not have enjoyed this either, what's happening. So, for Doug, see you tomorrow. The good Lord willing. And the creeks don't rise. Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at 